Life Audio. Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity, and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I'm pleased to have Brad and Starla Walker with us. Brad and Starla have eight kids and live on their 15-acre homestead in southern Indiana, just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. They There, they garden, raise livestock, homeschool their children, and operate their family business, Abby's Elderberry. They have personally experienced the benefits of Elderberry for years and jumped at the opportunity to take ownership of Abby's in late 2022. Since that time, they have shipped their products to 42 states and have about 20 retail locations to date. That's amazing, guys. So welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Thanks for, having for having us. Yeah. So first, tell us a little bit about the homesteading lifestyle. Like, uh, is it generational? Was that a decision that you guys just made on your own? How'd that happen? So just the, no, it's not generational. Um, my granddaddy was a dairy farmer, but my um, my dad kind of grew up in the suburbs. My mom wanted to get as far away from the farming life as possible. And, uh, so I grew up in the suburbs of St. Louis and had no real skills Mm -hmm. of related to homestead farming, uh, hunting, processing animals, growing anything. If it didn't come out of a box, I didn't eat it. (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah. And then we got married 11 years ago Mm -hmm. and all that changed. Mm-hmm. So this yes. is you, <laughs> Starla, it sounds like. So. Kind of. 
Yeah. I had some good friends in college who grew up on dairy farms and it always looked like fun to me having a large family, being more connected to the land. That was appealing, but I had never truly lived in the country. And so I honestly didn't know if I would like or love living in the country. Um, But I knew that I wanted to eat healthy and feed our family healthy food, farm fresh food. Um, And so I, for me, it's not generational either. Mm -hmm. I mean, many generations back. Yeah, they were farmers, but uh, my grandma had a garden. Uh, and my mom had a garden a few times growing up, but that's really the extent of yeah, uh, farming that I grew up around. Okay. So how, um, did, yeah. how did you learn after, you know, if, if you, neither one of you had the background? Yeah. So Brad was in law enforcement oh. and I really wanted, when we got married, he was a police officer. Okay. And then about a year after we got married, he stopped doing that. Um, but I knew he could shoot a gun. So I really wanted him to learn how to hunt. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I found the sweet older gentleman who his wife wanted him to have a, a hunting buddy. Yeah. And so I kind of, I introduced them and I nudged Brad and I said, let's do this. Actually, the way it worked is I showed up late to like a breakfast that my mom was hosting of her neighbors. And by the time I showed up to the breakfast, they already had our first plant uh, hunting trip scheduled. And you're like, oh, okay. I was like, I guess I'm going hunting. So (laughs) it was just never something that really interested in me because you were, you know, you're sitting 15 feet up in the tree and it's usually cold and it's quiet and you're yeah. just waiting and hoping for something to walk by. And I was like, that sounds stupid <laughs> and uneventful. And um, that year, uh, I it was the last day of the season. Mm-hmm. And I shot my first deer the last day of the season. Yeah. And like actually for the first time in my life put, um, we cooked some of it for mm-hmm. dinner that night. So you knew how to clean it and skin it and do all the things he did. He did. So he taught me, Mm -hmm. he taught me all of that stuff. And so we took some of it and we cooked it that night. And I just had this, like this, like epiphany, like I can actually provide food for my family, like not by working a job and going to the grocery store and buying whatever junk that they have. Like I could actually do this. And when I got that first deer, I was, I was hooked. Mm -hmm. And so from there it was, we lived on a quarter acre, um, in a pretty urban setting. Yeah. We had, uh, a, we had had chickens. I think we had six chickens that came with the house. Mm -hmm. So we already had, yeah. (laughs) Just egg laying chickens that we were renting it from some friends and they couldn't take their chickens with them and asked if we wanted them. And we were like, yeah, we'll take them. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wow. Yeah. So we had chickens and then he learned to hunt. Yeah. And then we, the first thing we butchered outside of the deer was rabbits. Okay. So we had meat rabbits in the city, which if you live in a city, a few chickens and meat rabbits are the thing to do because no one's going to know that you have rabbits in your backyard. And if if you do, they'll just think it's a pet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You just have to set up a little tent to butcher, which would be fine. I mean, you totally could do that. So, 
what was going on. Wow. Interesting. Yep. But so, just like the deer, I got, when I got hooked on hunting, huh. we, so we started adding uh, meat chickens. So I built a, like a portable pen mm-hmm. in the front yard of our quarter acre house. Mm-hmm. And we would put meat chickens in it and we would move them every day to a different section. Mm-hmm. And to, I mean, ultimately to answer your question, we learned everything through YouTube. Oh, we wow. started, we started buying books, yeah. um, Joel Salatin books. We started watching Justin Rhodes and some other people on YouTube. Yeah. And um, we, we just got hooked. And then from there we would have, people over for dinner and we would cook them one of the chickens that we raised and they probably taste totally different right and they would praise mm-hmm. that this was the best tasting chicken they'd ever had and they would want to take one home with them yeah. and so we thought oh we could if we did this enough sure then our chicken would be free right uh-huh and so all as all this is going on i'm looking i'm getting more into hunting and I'm wanting my own place to go hunting. And so we looked for land for three years Uh and we found our current place that we have now, which was a total providence from the Lord that we got it. It had two contracts on it before we got to it and they both fell through. And (laughs) um, yeah. And so um, we had a five-year plan Mm -hmm. that we were going to make homesteading our full-time job. That's great. Wow. And we did it in two years. And then COVID happened. And we just have so many children that the government, probably wrongly, but it is it is what it is. We got a lot of money that year because we have so many children. Yeah. And so we just poured it all into the farm. Wow. So that's amazing how everything worked together in the perfect timing. Crazy. Yep. And so do you guys have a community around you now that you, is it all, is it all still YouTube or do you have like a a community of other homeschool or homeschool homestead families around you as well? Yeah. So there's quite a few, we've built some friendships and some relationships in the area um, where we've, we help each other out. I mean, we've had cows get stuck in our Creek um, and I call up a couple friends and they come over and help me pull them out and, Oh, yeah. Um, we've shared equipment with people and things like that. Yeah. So there's a, there's a good community here. We've been able to teach. Yeah. Um, one of the pastors at our church, I went over and showed his family how to butcher chickens and things like that. So oh, cool. um, we yeah. want to help people learn to take, take control of their food and for their own health and things like that too. Yeah. It's so adulterated these days. So do you guys like have reciprocal trading at all going on? Like within the community, do you trade or you mostly just trade knowledge and help each other out kind of a thing? Um, there's, I mean, some so of that, but... I think once you live in a community like this, it just sort of happens naturally, yeah. you know, like you'll pop over to someone's house and like, Hey, I have this bushel of whatever. Yeah. Do you yeah. want it? Some extra. Sure. Got it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it just comes in seasons. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, and people, so we do it as a business and for profit. And we have a lot of friends in the community that don't. They just grow crazy, a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when they harvest it, they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. No, that makes And sense. so they literally come like carrying crates over to our house and they just dump it out on our table. And then we spend the next two days. Lacto fermenting it. Fermenting jalapeno peppers. And, you know, we get corn and tomatoes and we make salsa and all that kind of stuff. So. And then we give stuff away. Absolutely. Because we usually, whatever they give is often more than we could use too. Um, and I, I think that's the great thing about community is that you you do something and then someone just happens to be over and they're like, oh, what are you doing? And then it encourages them to do it. And so you're, it's, it's one thing to see it on YouTube. And then it's another to know that someone is do like, it is attainable because a normal person is doing it. It's real. Yeah. And so I think, I think that community part is important and it's there. If you move to the country or even in the suburbs and, and you're there and you just kind of Who's homesteading? Who's doing stuff? Someone is doing it. And we're all in a different place in our skill set. Yeah. So like right now we butcher, we do uh, bees. I uh, make bread, make bread. I lacto ferment. Um, I make salves and I tincture a lot of things. So, but things that we haven't done yet, like oil pressing or I don't know, there's a lot of things that we haven't gotten into making our own essential oils making wine we haven't done that so there's just a lot of things that it's encouraging to see other people doing because then like oh yeah we need to add that in yeah that's great so give me a rough idea of like both of your schedules morning to night what are you doing with your days so it's not as crazy as most people would it as it sounds like it is um so we're generally awake maybe it is i I think it is (laughs) it's It depends on the season, but yeah. So we're usually awake six or seven o'clock in the morning. You share yours and then I'll share what I do. Okay. It is different. Yeah. So, uh, so usually I'm up by seven o'clock. Um, we, I'll share some of the, that we both do to get like, we, we do it and we, the kids do it. The first thing we do when we get up is we read our Bibles and spend time in the word. Um, and then usually I'll try to, I'll spend my morning doing some administrative stuff for the business. Um, and then I'll, I'll get to it. So if I have, we have a commercial kitchen on our property. So our elderberry business, I don't have to go to work. I just walk 20 feet down to the barn and go to the kitchen and the kids come and hang out with me and they help me. So I'll be in there for two or three hours. I'll come back up. Um, if they're not sending me lunch, I'll eat lunch. I package up orders that have come in. I try to get to the post office every day, ship stuff out. We, we have dinner together. Um, we do family worship together one night a week. So we open up, I teach the Bible, we sing songs together. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then usually we have a bedtime routine. Um, oh, well, we have a special day. So one thing that we do that's probably unique to a lot of families is, so one thing that we learned a couple of years ago is that with so many kids, they were not getting good one-on-one time with us. And our attention was always going elsewhere. And so um, Monday through Friday, right now, currently, Monday through Friday, uh, each kid has a day. And so um, they know what their day is. 
and we're about to add another one in the next six months or so, right? Nora will get her own day. Yeah, she's ready. In the next six months or she's so. They get, they get uh, anywhere from one to two hours just with us. So all the other kids have to leave. They have to go to their room. And so we spend time with just that kid doing something that they want to do. Yeah. And so, they also get a special snack. Right. Which is usually a homemade treat of some sort. So they only get sugar from us like once or twice a week usually. And that's one of those times. Um, so we're trying to teach them moderation with sugar consumption. We don't want it to be something they never have so that when they leave our house, they're like, I'm just going to eat bags of candy every day. We want them to learn moderation um, and eat, choosing choosing wisely. You know, a home-baked good that has organic ingredients is world, worlds apart from something from the store. So, But that's that's the general gist of my day. We do eat, we make three meals a day. Mm -hmm. We eat three meals a day together as a family. So your, your day is. Yeah. So I wake up usually a little bit before you, usually I'm up around six. Um, I'll read the Bible, have a cup of coffee and then fold laundry, put it all away. We have an awesome laundry system that is like joyful to do laundry instead of like pulling your hair out because you have so much laundry. We just have a whole bunch of Sterilite containers that has each person's name on them and they are stacked too high on top of a table. And I just take their clothes from on top of the Sterilite containers and hold them and put them in their clothes and it or in their boxes. And it probably takes me half an hour to 45 minutes to do everyone's laundry and I'm do probably three loads a day most days some day, sometimes more um so I I do that I usually watch a YouTube video something that either has to do with faith um a skill or health and so I've learned a lot just watching podcasts on YouTube because I'm I'm doing it for 30 or 45 minutes every single day and I do think that's so important um Because we all need encouragement to do the right things, you know, reading the Bible, staying in the word, um, being a Christian, eating healthy, being self-disciplined in other areas. So I I do think that time is really important. I think especially for moms. Yeah. Um, Homeschool. Yeah. So then after that, I'll do other chores. I we we're minimalists. We're maximal with our children and our books. So we have to be minimalists everywhere else. Yep. You kind of get your priorities straight for sure. Yep. So we, um, I go around the house and tidy things up and our kids also tidy things up. We get dressed. Um, everybody fixes their hair. We, we usually don't eat breakfast until nine or 10 o'clock mm-hmm. every day. Lunch is pretty small. Yep. Um, but and once then- breakfast comes, we're starting, you're starting homeschool kind of throughout the day until two or three. Right. So we, yeah, after we eat breakfast then, which is, you know, homemade, usually the kids help me make whatever we're having. Usually it's some, something to do with sourdough um, and protein. And then uh, we homeschool, we do classical conversations type uh, memorization things. And then we do science and then they all do individual book work for language arts and math. And then a few times a week, Brad reads history to everyone, but they're also learning a lot of history through classical conversations. 
um, yeah, and geography, which is so important. And they also do handwriting and typing every day. So they're really hitting all the different things and school only takes them two hours oh, wow. a day, pretty That's much. Cool. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm, two to three hours for each kid is the most that they're doing. Well, the older ones are pretty self-directed at this point. We've The 10 year old and the nine year old pretty much kind of are able to get their stuff. They know what's expected of them. They can sit down and do it and they know that the sooner they get it done, for the most part, they know that the sooner they get it done. The 10-year-old knows that anyway. Yeah, the 10-year-old knows that. Um, then they can move on to doing, because they're little budding entrepreneurs. They want to start businesses and figure things out. And so they're trying to do that throughout the day too. And so. Yeah. So And then um, I do a massage every day, pretty much at some point. Um, and they usually watch TV while I do that, um, which that's probably one of their favorite parts of the day. Or they go outside and play. Um, And then the rest of the day, besides the three hours of school, two to three hours of school, um, they usually play the piano or guitar during that time at some point also. The rest of the time they're outside or doing some sort of project that they really want to do. Yeah. So are you guys ever able to go on vacation? If you've got like all this stuff to take care of, how does it take care? Like, how do you leave? (laughs) Yeah. So we... We hadn't gone on vacation in a while because we had dairy cows. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, and that really tethers you. So one of the one of the beautiful things about this lifestyle is that it tethers you to the to the land. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's also the downside of it too, is mm-hmm. that it tethers you so much that it's really hard to do anything really. Um, but we didn't have any dairy cows this year. And so um we were able to her parents live in Myrtle Beach. And so we are able to get a Myrtle Beach vacation road trip with the kids. Yeah. It's hard to vacation when you've got seven, eight kids. But <laughs> we get to go we get to go to Myrtle Beach and uh spend some time there and get away. And so we've had we've had some people uh come look after our place and things like that and feed our chickens, the yeah, dogs and stuff. Maybe that right. Yeah. Okay. Right. But uh but yeah, we, we managed to get away some. Great. So, and then, so as far as the gardening, do you garden or do you mm-hmm. farm? Like, do you make all the fruits and vegetables or not make, but you know, grow them, um, all the things that your family eats or do you buy stuff in the store still? Or how does that work? Yeah. We're probably 80% um, of everything that we consume. We either grow it, raise it or hunt it. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I don't maybe know not that's... quite that much. Anymore yeah, because so, we don't have the cows anymore. So yeah, I mean, some of it depends on the year too. Right. Um, there are some years where I'm really on top of it with the garden, and then there are some like I had a baby pretty relatively fresh this year during garden season. So we had a ton of tomatoes, a ton of peppers, a ton of cucumbers, lettuce cucumbers cabbage like there were quite a few things i had a lot of my onions didn't do well this year our corn didn't do well yeah corn didn't do well potatoes did pretty good they did uh and so it just it just depends on the year last year we had a lot even more potatoes and we had a lot of uh squash and we just didn't the squash didn't do well this year so 
Um, yeah. So, varies. yeah. So it does vary per year. And honestly, if you talk to any gardener, they always say that, like, there's always something that does better than usual and something that doesn't do as well. Well, and one thing we've been doing, and this may be too homesteady, but like our soil here is just is garbage. It's very hard and and clay. Um, yeah. Huh. And so, um, and we have slate underneath us. And so uh one of the things that just it just takes time is re rebuilding good soil to make your and so we had just set up um a kitchen garden right in the front of our house that is primarily everything that she uses and um the soil is is amazing right there and so that garden really flourished Mm -hmm. this year yeah and honestly if i could if i was to encourage someone to start gardening even i would say put it right in front in front of your front door or back door whichever one you go out the most because it will get lots of attention a garden that you have to walk a good bit of ways to get to yeah it's just when you're busy inside it's not going to get as much attention that definitely makes sense for sure so if you get a huge harvest of something i know you guys sell the elderberries do you sell everything or do you mostly like can and and find ways to store the excess so we don't really grow enough produce So when we were doing farmer's markets, uh, we didn't do any farmer's markets this year. We did the previous two, two or three years, we did farmer's market and we were doing primarily meat and dairy. Okay. Got it. So we were doing, we were doing milk and uh, chicken Mm -hmm. and duck primarily. And then we did like holiday turkeys and stuff. We've yet to grow enough produce to have enough to to sell or really to share it's but with a family our size it takes it takes a lot so like we go we can pound potatoes we can pound green beans all that stuff so um you're gonna have to do a ton in terms of preservation because mostly it's eaten sounds like (laughs) we do yeah we we, i mean we don't do do. canning we do lacto fermenting which is um and then we do you do some you freeze green beans and stuff like that because yeah. I refuse to eat canned green beans. It's just <laughs> just a thing. <laughs> it's just a thing. I never liked green beans until I met this woman. So, so he, she's she's working on you. <laughs> Maybe that'll change. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So sorry, you're you're growing the elderberry. You're selling the elderberry. Any other medicinal herbs that you're particularly using? Yeah. So I have tinctured probably seven or eight different things from our property. Really? Um, yeah. So I tincture honeysuckle, goldenrod, red clover. Uh, I didn't tincture, but I turned it into a, oh, I can't, I just can't think of what it's called when you use oil, but um, I did dead purple, dead nettle. self. Yeah. I feel like there's other things too. And most of that stuff is just foraged from around it's not stuff that we're planting intentionally we do have yarrow so i want to do something with yarrow in the past or in the future i've tinctured hops that brad had from making beer and there is one other thing i tinctured oh uh sumac staghorn sumac yeah 
And so do you guys mostly do kind of herbal medicine for the family? Do you still do traditional medicine? What's like your, no. Okay. <laughs> and so is we, that what you do this stuff for? We only use it when it's, we feel it's absolutely necessary. So we haven't completely written it off. We see value in it when, cause we have, we've had some, a couple really sick kids at certain points. We've used antibiotics for, I think two children twice once or twice. And we have used albuterol. There was a season where we needed albuterol for a while for like frequently doing breathing treatments for lung issues and stuff. Yeah. But she had asthma for a few years and she's in complete remission. She does. She hasn't had an episode in two years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you had used elderberry for a long time before you bought Abby. So what do you make with it? What do you use it for all of that? Yeah. So we started making it you started making it like seven years ago I think is kind of where we've landed on that and here's the irony is that I I hated it (laughs) really I I was like I would come home and I was like oh you made elderberry again (laughs) it just the smell of it and everything about it just was not pleasing to me and and then we buy an elderberry business and it's it's everything for me now. So so when you're just cooking the elderberries, it does kind of have an interesting odor. But when you bring in cloves and cinnamon and ginger, it smells just kind of like Christmas. Yeah, that's great. So now when you're making syrup, it's not straight elderberry. Now you're putting a bunch of different herbs in there all mixed together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have a recipe. Um, we use organic elderberries we have organic ginger organic cinnamon organic clove and then we use um as a sweetener either uh, regionally sourced honey raw honey Uh, we have a maple syrup farm about 15 miles from us and so we use maple syrup from them for our maple variety and so the things that that we can't get like certified organic and things like that we're able to go visit the farm they come from trusted sources that we know where it's going where it's coming from and what's in it and all that stuff so we we put a lot of care and attention into the products that we're creating great and so most people think of elderberry for immune support you guys have other things that you recommend it for in particular it's anti-inflammatory um, so it helps with joint issues and things like that. Um, I was reading an article the other day that said that it was good for heart health. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'm sure because it's an anti-inflammatory. Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting is that the more you study all the various plants, almost every single one of them is antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial. It's like, God just wanted us to be healthy <laughs> and he's got right. all the things in there for. It's amazing how many things within natural creation yeah have medicinal create health that people have in their backyards you know if they don't spray them and if their neighbor doesn't spray them with poison then they can use them for sure awesome so uh and so you said that you're making salves as well and tinctures and now syrups so is that basically the what you typically do and then like whatever you happen to have excess of you'll look up what it does medicinally and then tincture it or how does that work yeah pretty much yeah 
Yep. I just kind of, if I'm like, oh, that looks like something that might be helpful to us. Well, I also just kind of know in general, there's probably 15 things that I can go in my backyard and I know what that is. So I haven't done much with plantain yet, but my plan is to, um, I know we have jewel, jewel weed out there. I know we have lots of different, a few varieties of dock that I haven't messed with yet. We have poke berries that I'm going to do something with at some point. There's just a few herbs that I know are there. They just haven't done anything with yet. Right, that'll come somewhere down. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So what kind of, if it purchase is available online, it sounds like, because you get together uh, packages and then you ship them off, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was it like to try to get your business? I mean, it's in 42 states, you said, and 20 retail locations. How big an endeavor was that to get all that going? Well, if I can update those numbers, we actually, we've hit 48 states now. Solution. That's awesome. And uh yeah. the two that we're missing. Yeah. If anybody from Maine or Delaware is listening, please wow. come come by from us because we want to finish off the map here. Right, right. Yeah. Um wow. yeah, so it's we just it was something I wanted to do fun to track it because it would be easy, you know. It's great just like slinging orders out and getting them shipped out, but um, you know, when you homeschool, everything's education. And so you get, we started off with having the kids put the pins in and things like that. And our map now, we actually had a Facebook memory yesterday showing the map a year ago. We have this huge, it's probably four by eight foot map over our desk. And um, we put a pin in every city that we ship to. And so we had this map last year, the picture of it in it was pretty cool seeing like maybe like 20 or so states last year. And now it's like completely filled up and um, it's a beautiful thing. It's um, it's been overwhelming at times, um, but in a, in a good good way, way. in a very good way. Well, and too, we didn't start the business. So we bought the business a year ago from John Moody and his family. So Abby is his daughter. So Abby's elderberry. And they started it as a family business and she wanted to get a horse. So they live in Kentucky in the rolling hills of Kentucky. And, um, we bought it from them a year ago and we, she got a puppy. Aww. So she hasn't gotten a she horse She decided yet, she but... didn't want a horse anymore that, and we oh. had a litter of puppies. And so she asked for a puppy and so she got her puppy. <laughs> so that's great. But they're, they've been close friends. I, you know, I went to seminary with John 20 plus years ago and, uh, you know, John kind of just casually mentioned that he just had a lot going on. He's started food conferences and he speaks at different events throughout the year. And it was just more than he could give his attention to. And the business was growing and it needed to grow more, but he just couldn't get it there he just couldn't give it the time to it. And so he just casually mentioned it and uh, we jumped at the opportunity and um, yeah, it's been a wonderful, overwhelming, kind providence from the Lord that, um, that we've had that for the past year or so. So when he says we jumped at it, he means we were fearfully excited about it. And then we like, we talked about it a lot and I, 
I very seriously considered wet blanketing it because it that's my job. That's her job. Know, as the wife. So Brad is a schemer, which is awesome. And I, I really wish that more men were like that slash had the chutzpah to like go out and, and do things like that because we need that. Like we need husbands to step up and to start businesses and to take risks. And as wives, it's our job to figure out like, what is, what is wise and what is just a fad for this week that they won't actually enjoy doing? Cause that's a way to help them is to, to help them figure that out. And so, um, so yeah, we, we talked about it and we prayed about it and it was a big risk. I mean, we took out a loan and, you know, we're still in the process of, of paying for it, but I think it was definitely worth the risk. Yeah. And so that's the, when you're starting a new business or when you're acquiring a business that's already existing, really counting the cost and weighing the risk versus the benefit. Um, and the, in the reality that, right. Like just when you start a business, you're not, you're not going to make six figures. Yes. Seriously. Right. Immediately. It doesn't matter how good your product is. You have to hustle it and, and work. And we're, I have, I have hustled and worked hard, um, mm-hmm. the past six to eight months, which is usually the off season. And now we're really starting to see fruit from that. Um, September through February, March is really our busy season. And uh, we're, we're starting to see a lot of fruit from that. And uh, yeah, the, the fear is gone. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And now it's, how do we keep moving forward? How do we, you know, how do we get our name out there? And, and. Fantastic. Good for you guys. So what have I not asked you that you want to make sure you leave with our audience? our website, mm-hmm. okay. Um is where you can buy all of our products. And there's actually, uh, if, if you don't mind also, we've started our own podcast. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, we, we had to hit a pause on it because we have some really old technology in our computers and we're trying to get that stuff updated and our computers decided they didn't want to record and save and publish for us anymore. So, uh, but the fruitful family podcast, you can get to it through the Abby's elderberry website, um, where we share more of our story. We talk about, um, our faith. So part of our, our faith is that I've been a pastor for 17 in the past 20 so years and, um, not currently in that role now, but uh, so we share how that shapes all of these decisions that we've made with business and with family and why do we have a large family and things like that. Um, we talk about our farm and, and the adventure and we take different aspects. We've talked about wellness. We talked about homeschooling, all of those different things. So, yep. So I'll link in the show notes to both of those things. And Thank you guys so much. This has been really fascinating for me to kind of peer behind the curtain of what it's like with a different lifestyle. So fantastic. Thank yeah, you. we appreciate yeah. it. And- yeah, it's really, I think it's really fun. I think the more you, so I would encourage people in general, like if you think you might want to live in the country, go for it. I mean, now is the time to buy, five years ago was better. 
<laughs> now is probably going to be better than five years from now. I just don't see land prices going down. Um, so if you think you might like it and you have a desire to live more in tune with nature, more in tune with, I think, how God designed systems to be, um, I absolutely think that you should you should do it. You should try it. Because the worst that's going to happen is you decide you don't like it and you sell it, make a profit and go sure. back to the city or the suburbs. That you was know? our plan. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a waste because land prices only go up. So. Yeah, we have we have really enjoyed the safety that comes with living in the country. Just having our children go outside, be safe, me not feeling anxious that someone's going to kidnap them or, you know, whatever. They're going to see something really weird that they shouldn't see. Um, And they can just go play outside and be kids. And they're not Mm -hmm. stuck inside Mm -hmm. on a phone or on a tablet all day because it's beautiful outside. And why wouldn't you want to go outside? Our children are constantly saying, and we have taught them this, but even outside of us doing this ourselves, they're learning to do it. They just, they go outside and like, mom, look how beautiful this is. Or, you know, those find a pretty leaf or a rock and children especially are so enamored with the world that God created. They'll admire it until they light it on fire with a magnifying glass but I mean and that's but that's what they do yeah absolutely and so yeah I I think that that experience is priceless um and I think we're not doing so, so much we're not trying to do everything and you can't as a homesteader we're not I mean unless something big really happens even so we're not going to be doing everything everyone if something big happened and Things were not what they should, not what we're used to. Everybody would have to work together to do different things because one family just cannot do everything. Um, and so I think we're actually only on 15 acres. Yeah. That we have too, so. Right. But I think if we all don't try to do everything and we just do some things that we can and we don't make it overwhelming, then our children are going to want to do that too. I think there have been times where farming just, sucked the life out of people and their children are like I don't want to do that that doesn't look like fun that doesn't look that looks way too hard and so making it not so hard making it enjoyable and showing them why we're doing it not only from the bible but just practically for your health and all these things I think it's going to raise up a generation of children who want to follow our footsteps not because they have to, but because they can. Yeah. And going back to, as you say, the basics of the way that God created food to be and yep. you know, getting in touch with the natural world. So absolutely. It's great. Right. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Are you looking for a holistically minded healthcare practitioner who truly treats root cause rather than symptom suppression? Unfortunately, even in the alternative healing professions, this isn't a given. That's why I've created wholehealthdoctor.com, a resource to help connect patients to healthcare practitioners in their area who share a root cause philosophy. Alternatively, most of the practitioners listed also practice telehealth. So if there isn't anyone local to you, you can still find a great practitioner to help you regain optimal health. Go to wholehealthdoctor.com. That's whole healthdr.com, type in your location or adjust the specialty that you're looking for and find the practitioner who's right for you. 
thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you, so please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren Deville. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.